Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor, and that is by far the cutest video we have ever produced here at the church. Big thanks, to, as always, to Matt Dunn and the creative team for that, and uh, Jericho Knight for being willing to break anything at any time. That is one of his gifts. That is, he's discovered his purpose now, and it is breaking things and letting someone else try to fix them with scotch tape. Before we get started this morning, today is Legacy Sunday at the Gathering Church. Today we'll be taking up our Legacy Offering, and we've been talking about this for a few months, few weeks now, and um, I hope that you've had time to pray and plan and prepare and ask God what your part would be in this. We we believe uh, in the in the words written in Scripture. It says uh, not to give under compulsion or reluctance. Uh, because God loves a cheerful giver. He loves it when we each of us give according to that which you've already decided in your heart to give. And, and so I hope that uh, you've taken time. I had memorized that verse flawlessly until this moment. But uh, we hope that uh, you, you've taken time to pray and talk about that together. We really believe that together, that together, uh, we can leave a huge impact and a legacy that is eternal in so many different areas in four specific lanes uh, here at the Gathering Church and uh, all the ways that lives have been changed here. Just this year, 33 people have entered into a new relationship with Jesus. 19 people have been baptized. Come on. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Praise Jesus for that. Praise Him. And, uh, and we want to continue to do that for a long time. And that legacy lane for the gathering really is so we can begin an exploration fund that will uh, feed for the next couple of years as we look towards a permanent home for the gathering church, and we're excited about that. Second lane is church planning. We want to be a part of seeing as many life-giving churches planted in as many cities in our country as is possible. We just believe that every time a new life-giving church pops up in a city that people are going to be changed forever. And so uh, we, give in, we are giving to church planning, to local missions. We really uh, are passionate about partnering with excellent organizations in our community that are making a difference. Here this year we'll be partnering with Mana Food Bank and uh, Alida Children's Home. And then finally, international missions as we uh, partner with organizations that are doing the work to see Jesus made famous in all parts of the world. And so uh, we, we just hope that uh, you've been praying and preparing. And today at the end of service, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about how we're going to receive that offering. And so um, we're excited about Legacy Sunday and all God's going to do in and through that. Well, today uh, we are kicking off the Christmas season uh, with this series, Scotch Tape. And in honor of that, when you leave, actually, we have a little s'mores kit for every person in here. We've got plenty. Take two uh, so you can go home and microwave yourself a delicious s'more. Take it out of the plastic first. I had a couple people ask me that. Make sure you take it out or put it in a fire. Not the whole thing. Put the marlow on a stick. Someone will teach you if you don't know. We've got s'mores kits for you after service and 
Um, we're just excited about the holiday season. We've got this series Scotch Tape in mind because this is the time of year really when Scotch Tape gets to shine, isn't it? Scotch Tape really has its day when Christmas season comes around because there are very few things Scotch Tape is more effective at than holding one piece of wrapping paper on another piece of wrapping paper. In fact, if you don't use Scotch Tape, in, in order to wrap your presents, people are going to question how good you are at being an adult. If you show up to a Christmas party and you've got a gift that is wrapped and you use blue painter's tape to hold it, people are going to think you're a little bit lazy. They're going to think they didn't have any scotch tape. That's what they found. That's a little bit ridiculous. Or if you show up with uh, duct tape holding your wrapping paper together, people are going to think either A, you're somebody's dad, or two, that you are irresponsible as a person. And so want to make sure we use scotch tape. And then as soon as Christmas season is over, the scotch tape kind of goes into an arts and crafts drawer where it's mostly forgotten about for the next 11 months, except in the occasional event that maybe a page rips and you need to seal it back together or a child is going to do some art project it's going to use a lot of tape and you're going to throw it away as soon as they go to bed and so that's kind of that's kind of where scotch tape really finds its place but what happens i think sometimes is other things break or we want to hang something on the wall and we look around and all we've really got is scotch tape and so we begin to expect more out of scotch tape than it was ever intended to provide. I had these sunglasses recently. They broke, and I thought I'd seen this on a lot of cartoons where people use scotch tape to repair a sunglass. And to, at, at first glance, it actually looks great. The sunglasses look well repaired, and, and they look like they're put together good. But when they get on my face... They are a little bit crooked, and I'll admit, not quite as comfortable as they once were, but overall, I could still manage it, and I could do all right with them scotch-taped back-together sunglasses. But what, what the problem is, is that all it takes when it's a, a scotch-taped solution is just a, a tiny bit of pressure, and they fall apart again. And what I think happens in our lives, and in a lot of areas of our lives, is we have big problems and we want scotch tape solutions, things that are handy, things that are easy, things that are simple, and things that cannot hold up to pressure. And I think this year, this time of year, there is a lot of pressure. The holiday season brings pressure into our lives. There are people coming to our houses, some people that we can't wait to see and some people that we are going to see and they're coming, both of them at the same time. We have financial pressures this time of year. We got to get all the gifts and the best gifts and all the things and we got to go the places and, and do this and that and it's hard to keep it all together. Or maybe you've got pressures at work as the year comes to a close and you're trying to get everything done to meet every deadline so you can have a few days off around Christmas. And all of the pressure that this season brings often shows us where these weaknesses are that are still being held together with scotch tape as it begins to crack. Over this series, I'm going to talk about three areas where I think we use temporary solutions to big problems. And I want to talk about ways that we can come in and remove those temporary fixes, those scotch tape fixes, and replace them with something more permanent. Today, we're going to talk about marriage. And then 
Next week, we're going to talk about our emotional health and the ways that we try to repair our emotional health temporarily. And then in the final week, in the 22nd of December, just ahead of Christmas Eve, uh, we are going to talk about our spiritual health and all the scotch tape we wrap up around our spiritual health and how the permanent solution came on that Christmas morning. And so uh, I am excited about this series and, and ready to get into it. And so today we're going to talk about marriage. And I think marriage is an important thing to include in this series but I, because I think this time of year can be particularly difficult on marriages. In fact, one in five divorces are filed in January. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. A lot of, a lot of times people are trying to make it through the hol- one more holiday season together or, or they're hanging on and holding on for a while. And I think a lot of times there's a lot of temporary solutions that we put together for our marriages and then all the pressure of the end of the year comes on and it causes things to break and to crack. And I believe there is a better way. I believe that we could talk about some more permanent and healthier solutions for our marriages. So let's talk for a minute first about some of the scotch tape solutions that we put on our relationships. First, I think we try to solve our problems with silence and avoidance. Silence and avoidance. One of the ways we try to fix issues that we have in our marriages is to avoid them altogether. We don't talk about it. We argue and fight, never find a resolution, and someone storms out of the room, and then the next day we just act like it never happened. We just bury it. We bury the resentment. We bury the anger. We don't deal with it, and eventually all that avoidance turns into more silence. We've avoided so many real issues together that now there's too much tension for us to talk about lighter ones. There's too much buried tension for us to even begin to let our guard down with one another. And so there's a lot more silence between us. And we can be together often and still use silence and avoidance as one of these scotch tape solutions. We can fill all of the space when we're together with our kids or, or with events or parties or our hobbies, nights out with our friends or with Netflix. We will just watch Netflix together. Are you still watching? Yes. Are you still watching? Yes. Are you still watching? Stop asking me. And we can be together most of our time without ever really being together. We are masters of avoidance. Another way that we scotch tape our relationships is we talk to the wrong person. We talk to the wrong person. Here's what this looks like. Last night, you and your spouse said something to one another that, that hurt each other's feelings or, or things got tense or there was a, a big argument. But instead of talking to each other about it, we're going to bottle it all up and use silence and avoidance at home. But then when we get to work, we're going to offload all that tension and resentment and that whole problem to Karen who sits next to us. And now Karen, who sits next to me, knows everything about how I'm feeling in my marriage, but my spouse has no idea. We've talked to the wrong person about it. I think it's a good thing to talk to your close friends about things that you're struggling with. I think it's a bad thing when you don't talk to the person that they directly affect. Or maybe you've got a lot of stuff going on just in general. Your heart 
is burdened. You've got a lot of hardships going on at work, or, or maybe there's a, something going on with your parents or your siblings, or, or, or you're, you're worried about your kids, and you've got all these major issues, but you've got so much tension in your marriage, and, and you've alienated yourself from your spouse so much that instead of talking to them about everything you've got going on, you find somebody else who will listen. Maybe it's somebody, uh, a friend, uh, somebody of the same gender, or, or maybe it's somebody of the opposite gender, and, and you begin to develop emotional intimacy with that person instead of your spouse, and it can lead to other kinds of intimacy. And then I think the, the, the third way that we scotch tape our relationships is we confuse new or different with better. We confuse new or different with better. We do it inside of our relationships. Things aren't going well in the marriage, so we've decided to have a baby because that's what we need. That's going to fix everything. That will bring everybody back together again. A a screaming, crying poop factory in our home is certainly going to solve all of our problems. I know how to reunite this marriage. Together we shall make child. It will be great. Or let's move to a new house. This house has too much negative energy. And so let's leave this old house behind and we will get a new house. It will be better. Let's move to a different city. Let's listen. This city just has too many bad memories. Let's leave this city. Let's, I got a job offer in another city. Let's do that. Let's instead go away from any community that we have and go somewhere where the only two people we know are each other. And surely that will fix our problems. Let's get a fresh start. Let's move our house. Let's change my job. Let's find something new or different because that is always better. Or maybe it's worse than all of that. Maybe we decide that somebody new or different would be better. And so we enter into a different relationship, a a new relationship, and we leave the old one behind or we try to maintain both. But there's a problem. You're still you with a baby. You're still you in a new job. You're still you in a new house. And you are still you with a different person. And all the bitterness and the pain and the problems are coming with you. All these different temporary solutions, this scotch tape that we try to wrap up around our relationships and in our lives cannot stand to the tension and the pressure that life brings. It never fails. We do our best to to masquerade and and pretend like everything's all right. And honestly, it's because it was the easiest thing. We know that to really do the work to try to fix this relationship would be very hard. And so instead of doing that, we're just going to do all these quick fixes. We'll just avoid it because if we talk about it, it's going to be worse. And so let's just not. And we do all these quick grabs, quick fixes, thinking that it's going to be better for us. But in the end, it always breaks. I remember a season in my marriage, my wife and I, we, we tried to use some scotch tape in order to put things together. Our, our marriage was, was, was really strained when we first moved here to start this church. I fixated all my attention and focus on the church. We had a brand new baby at home. Eleanor was just two months old when we moved here to start the church. And there was just so much going on. And we just did not 
have the resources or even really know how or what to do to solve the issues that we were having. And so we tried to avoid them. We tried to ignore them. We tried silence. We tried all kinds of things. And what happened was we began to feel the pressure and the scotch tape began to break. And so we decided we needed some permanent solutions. We went to marriage counseling for months I think marriage counseling gets this, this negative connotation. We think, if I admit that I need help from the outside, then it's too late. Everything's over anyways. Or, or if I let somebody from the outside help me, then I'm not good enough to do this on my own. But sometimes we need a permanent solution, and sometimes we're not fully capable of finding one. And so Raelle and I went through marriage counseling. We've been back several times since then in order to maintain or in order to refresh ourselves and remind ourselves. And through that process, we gained some useful tools that I'm going to share with you this morning. I believe that these tools that we gained through that experience are the permanent solutions that we need in our relationships. I don't know where you're at today. You might be in a place where you've got enough scotch tape wrapped around your marriage that you need counseling as well. I want to encourage you that it's okay to ask for help. That, it, that, it, that does not mean you are weak. It does not mean that it's too late. It does not mean that, that, that you aren't good enough to fix it on your own. It means that sometimes we need help. And it's okay to admit that. If you send me an email, jmredwine at gatherashville.org. I will be happy to recommend a great marriage counselor for you. But I think we can take some of these principles this morning, and if we can apply them tonight, then we can start to break down these scotch-taped areas of our marriages and replace them with permanent solutions. And it, it will require work, and it will be hard, and like many things, it will hurt before it gets better. But I believe if we can put these practices into our daily lives, that it can transform our relationships so they are strong enough that no matter the pressure that comes down on them, we will be able to persevere. First thing that we can do, the first thing that we can do is communicate intentionally. Communicate intentionally. I think we confuse communication with intentional communication. We're together all the time. I, well, I talked to my wife just this morning. I said, would you like any eggs? I talked to my wife just tonight. I said, excuse me, I need to brush my teeth. Uh, you know, what, what's the matter? We, I do talk to my wife. I talk to her plenty. I said, just this morning, you have a booger hanging out of your nose. We talk. That's not talking. That's not communication. Communication is intentional. Communication is eye contact. Communication is talking about things with one another that we need to talk about. I want to look at Ephesians this morning, chapter 4. And th this is a passage that Paul wrote to the church. In fact, it was really about how to be in community and how to live in unity with one another and, and what does it look like for us to, to get along very well as a church and as the body of Christ. But I would suggest that anytime you see something in Scripture that's, that is directed to the church, that you can apply it first directly into your home. Because our marriage and our family and our children are our first ministry, always, always. 
That is why whenever Paul presents the qualifications for a leader in the church, he includes in those qualifications at the top of the list how well we manage our families and our marriages and our children because it matters deeply. So let's look at this passage in Ephesians chapter 4 beginning uh, in verse 1. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle and be patient, bearing with one another in love. What would our marriages look like if we could learn how to be humble and patient and bear with one another in love on not just a, a monthly basis or an annual basis? What if every single day I woke up and treated my wife with humility, with patience, if I chose to love her and bear with her? Well, she does most of the bearing, if I could be honest. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. We were made to be unified as a church, and we were made to be unified in our marriages. And I believe that the way that we exist in a relationship with gentleness and humility and patience and love and unity, that it begins with intentional communication intentional communication. And it's easier said than done because it gets muddy. What does it mean to communicate? So let me share with you what I've done. Here's here what you should know about me. I have ADHD. Bad. This means that when I talk to somebody, it is extremely difficult for me to make eye contact. I am looking over there at that wall. I am looking over here at, a, at something that moved. I'm pretty sure something moved. I don't know what it was. I'm looking at you and your shirt and deciding if I like that shirt or not, or if I would wear that shirt, or, or maybe it's just the kind of shirt that looks good on you, but it wouldn't ever look good on me. Oh, what's going on back here? Were they talking? What was I supposed to say? That's how I operate. And so everything that I do, I structure big time. I overstructure. The only way that I can be uh, effective as a human being is to have uh, habits and routine and ritual and structure. Now, you may not operate like this, and that's okay. Maybe you don't need this much structure that I'm about to hand you. Maybe you don't. But if you do not have intentional communication in your marriage, I would suggest you should start there. Start there, build the habit, and move out. I think the first thing that we need to do is schedule working dates. Working dates. Now, maybe you hear a lot of talk. If, if anytime somebody talks about marriage and, and health in a, in a romantic relationship, they say, well, you, you got to have your date night. You got to have your date night. And that's true. You do need your date night. And especially if you have little kids at home, I think uh, kids are a gift and they are amazing and they are a blessing. And you need to be together apart from your kids at some point in your week. That you need time away from your children. It is good for your children. It is good for you. And the biggest thing is one day those children are going to move out of the house and you are still going to be with your spouse. We hope. And so you need intentional time to just have fun together, to be together. You need a babysitter that you love and trust, and you need to pay them well and care for them and bless them, and you need to leave them. You know what I'm saying? And say goodbye and go and have a date. Dates are important, but I think working dates are also important. Here's what a working date is. A working date 
is, if you have kids like I do, I've got a 20-month-old and a 4-year-old, so working dates take place after bedtime. How many of you know, if you have little kids, uh, we, we intentionally have dinner together as a family at the table every night, uh, but that dinner is not a place for conversation. The conversation at that dinner is, eat your food, eat your food, eat your food, eat your food, eat your food. Where is your food? Where is it? <laughs> I always ask everybody, how was your day? How did it go? Was it, was your day good? And we talk, I ask those questions, but I don't hear any of the answers. I just think I'm stressed out and I'm trying to survive this moment and it's important for our family. That's not the place where you and your spouse connect. After we put our kids to bed, you've got to have 30 minutes, maybe it's in the morning, whatever your rhythm works out. You've got to have 30 minutes to sit down and communicate a few specific things. Expectations. Expectations. What do you expect from me this week? What nights do you want me to cook? What nights are we going to go out? What, what, how can I help you? What should I do around the house this week? What are your expectations for me? What are your expectations for me uh, with cleaning up dinner? What are your expectations for me with, with, with or, or let me clarify your expectations. I'm going to work late a couple nights this week. I can already see it coming. I don't know. I'm like this. I'll know that it's coming and I'll forget or I will just not tell my wife until it is the day of. Got to work late tonight. I can see it coming a lot of times. So let's set expectations. I'm going to work late this night and this night. I've got this happening. I would love it if I could help you in this way this week. Here's my expectation. So many of our tensions and our ignored arguments and the things that we bury are because we expect things of one another that we never communicate and then we are bitter towards one another when we don't meet those secret expectations. Make a space to communicate them. Communicate your frustrations. You need a space where it is okay, where it is safe to say to your spouse what you are frustrated about. Instead of always feeling just a fury inside because the dish towel never goes where it's supposed to be and just aggressively throwing a dish towel around at some point in the night, what if we just said, hey, I've been frustrated with where you leave the dish towel every night. I would really, really love it if you could make an effort to hang that thing back up. And we know that it's bigger than that sometimes, don't we? I've been really frustrated with your attitude in the mornings lately. I know that you, you rely on coffee in order to communicate with people, but I need you to make an extra effort to be kind before you have it. Communicate your frustrations. Communicate your schedule. My calendar looks like this this week. My, 90% of my arguments are because I did not communicate my calendar for the week. Make a space. This is, this is the schedule. I invited this person over without asking on this night. I said I would be here without asking on that night. Here's the calendar. Here's the schedule. So calendar, expectations, and frustrations. See, I think a lot of times we have tension in our marriages and we ignore things and we use silence and avoidance as a tool because we're worried about when we can express these kinds of things. I don't know when I can talk to you about expectations without it blowing up into an argument. And I don't want to have a big argument, so I'm just going to avoid it and bury it and be mad. It would be a lot healthier if we create a safe space to communicate these things. A working date night will change your life. It changed mine. Uh, second is two things. is 20 minutes of eye contact daily and what I call wine night weekly or an intentional night weekly. 
every day. And this, I started this a while back without telling Rael. Here we go again to communicating expectations. And because I schedule everything, I had written in my schedule 20 minutes of eye contact from 7.10 to 7.30. And I had written it down and it was 7.10 and we'd put the, the kids were in bed and it was 7.10 and Rael was like trying to straighten things up around the kitchen. I just kept following around and being like, so how you feeling? So what, what did you experience today? And she's like, what are you doing? Why are you looking at me so weird? I said, oh, I scheduled 20 minutes of eye contact for right now. She said, you got to tell me that. <laughs> Don't be like me. Communicate about it. Schedule time for eye contact. I just, I will never look my, my wife in the eyes and talk to her if I'm not intentional about it. Got to intentionally communicate every day, have space for it, make eye contact and talk and ask how you're feeling and ask what happened today, tell you about my life today, you tell me about yours and communicate. And then every week we set aside a night, it's not date night, we, we will have date night one night where we just go out and have fun and we'll have another night where there's no screens, no phones, no television, nobody else, just her and I, a glass of wine, fire, face to face, conversation. It has changed my life. In the beginning, it was awkward. It was hard. How do we fill three hours of talking? I've been talking to people all day. I'm tired. I don't want to. <laughs> what am I supposed to do right now? But what I have found is after we've been doing this for over a year now, that specific practice, it is my favorite night of the week. I get to just connect with my best friend and just just speak to one another and, and really find out how each other is doing. Just intentional space for communication will change your marriage. Second is we need to release bitterness. The second permanent solution. The first one is only going to work if you can do this second one. See, I, a lot of times, if you've had scotch tape in your marriage for a while, what happens is these little frustrations build inside. Paul says it like this. This is Ephesians Chapter 4, uh, verse 22. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Paul is saying, listen, you have been changed, you are new, you have been forgiven, you have been set free, you do not need to continue to operate like the rest of the world does. What the rest of the world does is it takes its frustrations and its anger, and it plants them somewhere down deep inside, only to turn into a root of bitterness that grows and grows and intensifies until you can no longer see that person for who they are, you can only see them for the mistakes they have made. Jesus tells a parable about this. There's a, a manager who owes his master millions of dollars, more than he could ever repay in a lifetime. And his master calls him in to collect, and the, ma and the manager just begs for forgiveness, and the master has compassion on him and forgives all of his debt, wipes it free, wipes it clean. And that man walks out of that room and sees someone who owes him a small amount of money. And begins to shake him violently and say, give me what you owe me. Will not forgive the small debt in his friend. 
And this picture is meant to show us what it looks like when we receive a new life from Jesus, freedom and forgiveness and the hope for a future and all of the promise of eternity alongside our Father in heaven, and yet we do not forgive these offenses between us and others. It creates a foothold for the devil in our hearts to build something that is far more damaging than many other things. He goes on, and he says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. Wait, that's not the passage I wanted. I wanted number 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And get rid of all your bitterness and your rage and anger and brawling and slander and every form of malice and be kind and compassionate with one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. We have got to release the bitterness that we hold against the people that we are meant to be the most compassionate towards, our spouse, our relationships. Bitterness will destroy you. Bitterness left inside hurts us in ways that is hard to express in words. Holding bitterness against somebody else is like drinking poison and hoping they die. You are poisoning yourself with bitterness. And I don't know the story that you have and, and what happened and whether it was a whole lot of really small things or whether it was one big thing, but I believe you can forgive and release that bitterness. That because of what Christ has done in you, you have the ability to get rid of bitterness, to pull it up by the roots and release it so that you can begin to heal and your marriage can find a permanent solution and healing and hope for the future. But you have to let it go. And the third thing that we can do is commit to submit. I like to always throw at least one rhyme in there somewhere. Commit to submit. Now, submission has got a negative connotation these days. It's one of those things that we get real nervous about saying or talking about because often we think of the word submit in terms of abuse. Someone being forced to submit or someone submitting to something harmful or hurtful. But that's not what I mean here. I'm talking about a voluntary, selfish submission. Paul says in Ephesians 5.21, Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. The Greek word there is hypotasso or something like that. And what it means is to respect, yield, defer, or put another's good ahead of your own. It does not mean do what you're told. It means practice humility in your home. Live without selfish ambition. Paul says in another verse, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all things consider others over yourself. That's what we need to do in our marriages. That's what it looks like. Paul goes on in this famous passage given towards marriage from verse 22 to 33, where he, he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And husbands, love your wives the way Christ loved the church. And he talks about submission and sacrifice being a crucial part of our marriages. 
See, so often I think our marriages suffer when we are each in competition trying to fight for our own needs. When we can lay ourselves down together, make the decision together to live in submission, that our marriages begin to do what they were made to do, and that is to reflect the love that Christ has for the church over and over again. The relationship between Jesus and the church is referenced in the terms of bride and groom. Our marriages are supposed to be selfless, sacrificing. We're supposed to give up for one another, always doing everything that we can to build up one another, to lift up one another, to help one another, to be there for one another, to, to lay ourselves down for one another. And yet, so often, my tendency is to fight for me, to, do, to make sure I'm getting what's fair for me, that, that I get to do what I want to do, that, that it looks like how I want it to look, but that is not what marriage is supposed to be. And unless we can get that in the right order, we will always have scotch tape around a major area of our relationship. You know, it's the submission competition. We are doing our best to outserve one another. Well, how can I serve you today? What do you need today? How can I help you today? That's okay. I, I want to serve you because of the love I have for you. It doesn't say anywhere that we're meant to make one another submit. That's not right. No, it is a selfless choice to care for one another. Make a commitment with your spouse to make your marriage look more like the relationship between Jesus and the church. Communicate intentionally with them, and then each of you will grow more like Jesus on your own, which will lead you to grow closer to one another. All of this doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes work. It takes intentional conversations. It's hard in the beginning. It's awkward in the beginning. It's tense in the beginning. I, I will tell you that one, I am so structured and one of the things that I do is I have an alarm that goes off, a reminder that goes off that says, are you sacrificing for your wife today? And the answer is always no when the thing goes off. And then I have to think, all right, what do I, how can I serve her better today? We just, we, we've, got to, we've got to break the seal on these fixes that we've been ignoring for so long, these things that we've been called to do as followers of Jesus and as people in community and especially in our most important relationships. And the final thing this morning, and the last thing that we can do to absolutely change and transform our marriages is to allow the spiritual into your marriage. We just have a tendency as people, I think, to separate the spiritual to one part of our lives. We just keep living our lives and moving along in our marriages and going to work. And we tell Jesus to come along and be a part of it if you want, but mostly stay over there. But that's not what he's called of us. He wants us to lead with him in front in every area to allow the spiritual into our workplaces like we talked about last week, to allow the spiritual into our decisions, to allow the spiritual into our marriages. Marriages were designed by God to glorify him and to provide a helper for us to do the work and the purpose that we were created to do. In the very beginning, Adam in the garden is given a purpose. God said, Adam, I've created you to work this garden. You were made to work. 
And Adam says, I'm sad and lonely, God. And God says, you got me. And Adam says, not good enough. And so he creates a wife for Adam, his helpmate, his helper, to do the purpose together, to do what they were both made to do in the way that God made them to do it, and together to be the very first representation of what the church is. Different gifts coming alongside one another to unify as one body. That's what marriage is, a tiny version of the church. And I think we just, we were made to do this God-given purpose together alongside one another. But we just think, let me keep the spiritual separate. Let me, let church is church. I'm going to serve at the 9 a.m. You serve at the 11 a.m. I'm going to, I'm going to do my prayer in the most quiet, away from you area of the house as I can. So you won't hear that I'm asking God to make you a better person. <laughs> we keep it as separate as we can. But it only works. All of this, the blessing of fullness of life that God promises us only works when we allow the spiritual to be our life. Every part. No separation. No separation in the way that I raise my kids. I do it under the, the leadership, the guidance of his Holy Spirit. My marriage needs to have the spiritual as a part of it and at the center of it. I don't need all of my prayer to be separated from my wife. We need to pray together, regularly. We need to make the Holy Spirit a part of our marriage. Our conversations should be a place where the Spirit moves. When we have those wine nights, those long conversations, we need to talk about the things of the Spirit, the way that God is moving in us, changing us, transforming us, the way that God is, is, is teaching us things, what we're studying in Scripture. Maybe we study together for a while, or, or maybe we don't, but we just make sure that you know that we're, this is where the Holy Spirit is taking me. Let's go there together. What's your purpose? How's God made you? Let's find out how our purpose worked together so that together we can make a difference in somebody's life. Allow the spiritual into your marriage. Allow the spiritual into your life. And it will begin to, to heal and transform and change every single part of you. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote, When we draw near to God, He draws near to us. Draw near to Him together in your marriage. He will come closer to you. And you will not be alone in doing these hard things. His Holy Spirit goes before you, goes alongside you, goes with you, and it changes everything. I believe we don't have to exist with all this tension and scotch tape wrapped around our most important relationships. Your marriage can be a source of life and it can be a source of peace and a source of joy and strength and it should be. Don't let seasons of pressure expose cracks. Let them show you the strength. We have to be intentional to get there. To this morning, if you've been... If you've been going through seasons like this one and, and you have not had the spiritual as a part of your life, you don't follow Jesus and you've been investigating, you've had questions, you've wondered, but you've never made the decision. And you can see the way that your marriage is impacted by it. No matter what practical things you try, it just doesn't ever seem like it's enough. Something's missing. And maybe in your own heart and in your own life, it's just always felt like something was missing. I want you to know that today, right now, that can change. 
that you don't have to get everything right. You don't have to do all this first. You don't have to get your marriage right first. You don't have to get, get your, your, yourself right first and, and, and check off all these boxes that you can enter into a relationship with Jesus right here today. And I believe it would change every part of your life. We want to walk you down a simple spiritual pathway that you might know God and find freedom and discover your purpose and make a difference. And we believe that it is a simple pathway laid out for you to take. And the first step is just to know him. And so if you're here this morning and you'd like to enter into a relationship with Jesus because you're tired of trying it on your own, every head bowed, every eye closed, it just starts with a prayer. The prayer is just like a wedding vow. It's it's the beginning. It's not the it's the easiest part. It's it's not going to fix everything right away, but it does change everything right away. Just pray this with me, Heavenly Father. Forgive me for all my sin and all my mistakes and for trying to do this on my own. I need you. I need you. I need you, Jesus, to forgive me, to make a way for me, and to come into my heart and and to guide and lead my life. I give you every part of my life this morning. I give you my marriage. I give you my heart. I lay it at your feet. Everything I am from this point forward, I will follow you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.